today we're talking about invitational evangelism because this is something that all of us can embrace. This is something that all of us can practice because it's simply telling someone of the someone we love. Asking them to simply consider it. Just come and see. That's it. Because the, the, the business of evangelism is God's business. God's at work evangelizing. The Spirit of God is, is moving in people's hearts and lives. God's, this is, God staked His life on this stuff. It's His business. And, and we get the opportunity to simply show up and talk about what God is doing in our lives and ask others to do the same. Just consider it. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to make reference to this passage as a springboard for our thoughts this morning. In John chapter 4, and if you need a Bible, they're in the chairs in front of you. And you can turn to page 888. That's pretty easy to remember. John chapter 4, and we're going to look at this passage. It's called The Woman at the Well. Let me tell you what's going to happen today, this, this morning, so you, so you don't get too concerned that I'm going really on a lot of tangents. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, this morning. We're, we've got missionaries with us today. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. That's exciting. I think they're great. Uh, Graham Crawford is hiding some. Oh, there he is. He's, he's hiding back there. And uh, Gary and Tammy Gertzen. I thought I saw them earlier. They were hiding. So, oh, there's Gary. He's hiding over here, and Tammy's having coffee with somebody, I guess. So, right. Good. And they're going to come up uh, sometime this morning, and we're just going to interview them because they're involved with invitational evangelism. And they're going to share some of their stories. So we're going to do some of that. We're also going to have communion this morning. What we celebrate as believers. And when Jesus has come into our heart and changed us, he invited us to come, to know him. And he invites us regularly to come and participate, recognizing who he is. And so we're going to do that as well. And then later on in the service, we're going to have an opportunity to participate. And this is a new thing that we're just introducing. And that is, is, is we're going to take another offering. Well, we're not always about offerings, just so you get that clear. But the, the reason for this is that we have what's called a benevolent fund. And with this money, we purchase food coupons and gas coupons and meal coupons. And we, and we help people within our church and we help people within our community who, who are finding it challenging. And uh, you may know of somebody who needs a little extra hand from time to time. And you say, well, you know, go to the church because got, we've got a grocery food pantry and many people generously give to that. We've got a clothes closet for free clothes. People de generously give to that. We have between three and five people a week coming, uh, you know, to that thing. And sometimes we have even more. So it's just fantastic, the generosity of our church reaching into our community. And, and, and we use this as a way of demonstrating to people who are in need that Jesus loves you. You know, no strings attached. We just want to demonstrate that God thinks you're special and we think you're special just for who you are and God loves you. So if you'd like to participate with that, we're going to do that later on in the communion service. John chapter 4 is an exciting passage because this, this passage, the whole chapter of John chapter 4 is used by missionaries everywhere to learn the language. Because John chapter 4 uses all of the conjugated forms for I am. Did you know that? That's it. That's true. So if you're a missionary going someplace and you want to learn Spanish or if you want to learn French or if you want to learn German or you want to learn 
any other language that, that you want. Read John chapter 4, and you will find the conjugated forms of that verb. It'll give you the pattern of how everything gets conjugated. So in Lithuanian, for instance, you know, it's ashasu, tuasi, mesasima. I, I won't go through all seven of them, but anyway, you get the point. That, that you can learn a language by studying John chapter 4. I didn't. <laughs> well, I did, but I didn't learn the language as, as well as I could have. But that's one of the secrets. John chapter 4 also tells us how Christ crossed numerous barriers. He crossed a gender barrier. He crossed a nationality barrier, the Jews to the, to the Samaritans. He crossed a power barrier, a man and a woman. He crossed a religiosity barrier, Judaism, and then what the Samaritans were, were, were practicing. And many Jews would call that they were heretics. He crossed all of these barriers in order that one person in their village might come to know who he was. And so it raises the question, what barriers are we willing to cross simply to ask somebody to come and, and see? What barriers of fear? What barriers of loneliness? What barriers of neighborhood? What, what barriers of ethnicity? What barriers of too busyness? Are we willing to cross simply to say to somebody, check it out? And John chapter 4 also reveals to us an incredible message of hope and healing in the life of a person who is hurting and helpless. And when we're honest with ourselves, we recognize those moments of hurt and helplessness and the desire and the need for something greater. The desire for God. Don Richardson wrote a book. It's called Eternity in Their Hearts because he recognized the truth that, is, that in every person there is a hope, there's a hole, there's a longing, there's a hopelessness that each person has that can only be filled by the presence and person of Jesus Christ. And people try to fill it doing all kinds of other stuff, keeping busy, uh, doing drugs, doing alcohol, just doing marriages as we see in this passage. Doing all these things, even taking on prominent positions, but the hole and the emptiness is still there. Until Christ comes and grabs a person's heart. In this passage, we find a woman whose condition seems to be bleak. In verse 18, we discover her condition. You have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. Here is a woman who carried a reputation. She came to the well when others wouldn't be there in the middle of the day. Jesus had sent his disciples into town to forage for food. He was there in anticipation of this woman coming. She came knowing that, that she was a marked woman. She came knowing that she was hurt. And lonely. She came knowing that she was thirsty. And what did Jesus offer? I offer you something more than you could possibly imagine. You're thirsty? Here, take the water I offer you, and you won't be thirsty again. 
Take the life I offer you and you will truly live. And later on, we find the woman confessing her need. In verse 25, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, I am he. The I am is here. The I am has come. The the promise that we have, the hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ is that this actually happened. This isn't some figment of our imagination, some myth that we, that we have created and that we believe in. The actual event of Jesus coming to earth happened. And we simply don't take somebody's word for it. It has become our truth. Later on, we find out in verse 39 how the Samaritans said, we don't only believe because of what you have said, but now we believe it as well. This is our truth. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. He took our sins upon himself that we might have life with God forever. This is what we believe in. The story illustrates for us multiple evangelistic principles. But tonight we want to look at the woman how she illustrates for us four critical steps that are involved in invitational evangelism. The first step is this. You know the person. In John chapter 1, turning back a page, in John chapter 1, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, verse 43, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip found Nathanael, verse 45, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Jesus. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Check it out. We know the person. We have a relationship with this one whom we believe that is so strong that we are willing to invite others to consider it. You know, one of the challenges I have whenever the term friendship evangelism is presented is that it it comes oftentimes with this caveat. You become friends with people in order that you can witness to them. Well, you you don't think God loves them already? I mean, you, you, you don't think that that suddenly you've got to get God's attention. Sorry, God, I've got a friend here. I don't, know if, I don't know if you know him, but I'm wondering if you might pay a little attention here. I mean, God gave his life to this stuff. Greater love is no man than that he lay down his life for his friend. But what does Jesus say? He laid down his life not even for his friends. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's invested in this process. God's at work in people's lives. And we befriend people not for the sake of trying to coerce them into something that they have no idea what they're getting into. Thanks for coming for coffee. Oh, coffee starts with C. Can I tell you about Christ? 
You know, I mean, we, we somehow think that our spiritual talk has to be forced. No, I see you've got four buttons on your shirt. Well, four reminds me of four laws. Let me tell you the first law. <laughs> well, some people are gifted to do that, but, but the vast majority of us aren't. I'm not. I'm scared spitless. I get somebody into my house and then suddenly, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor. I better start thinking about God and telling him how to talk about God. Well, you know what? God's already at work. I mean, we, we, somehow, we somehow get things backwards. You know, we, we, we pray for our kids and we should. We pray for our grandkids and we should. And we pray for our friends and our neighbors and we should. Not because we're trying to remind God of who they are. God, do you remember these people? I mean, just in case you forgot. No. But we're praying because we're acknowledging our need for God to act. God, if you don't do it, I can't. And I want to give you the honor and the glory because you've done something incredible. And here are the people I want you to do something incredible with. Because I can't. Only you can do it. And they're in your hand already, and they're in your heart already, and you've died for them already. So have at her. And if you want to use me somehow, you better tell me how, because I'm really stupid in this process. Why can't we just be honest with God? First step is knowing the person. And, you know, sometimes we think that we've got, to, we've got to tell this story of ours, our God story, and it has to relate back to when we first came to faith, you know. Came to faith as a child. My mom was reading me stories through the Bible, and, and one day she was reading me a story in the Bible. I said, sounds good, and I'll do it. And then later on as a teenager, I was baptized, and I was helping out in kids' church, and I was helping out with Sunday school and helping out in camp, and, and God just kept... Help, helping me to help people and, and wah, 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 well how boring is that you know we think if we, unless we've got some kind of dramatic, dramatic testimony you know like like I was a you know motorcycle club wielding hooligan well come to think of it didn't have the club part <laughs> but you know we think well, we've got to have this incredible story but no what about last week what about yesterday where God has done something fantastic through you or in you where you've seen the hand of God move in such a mighty way that apart from God you could do nothing and share that story because we know the person he's alive He's vibrant. He's active in our heart. The second step, we have something to share. The woman goes to the people and says, here's a man who knows everything I've ever done. Here's a man who understands my emptiness. Here's a man who understands my hurt. Here's a man who understands my longing. Here's a man who understands my, my hopes for the future. And he's filled it all. Come and see. We've got a message to share.
You know, sometimes I wonder if, if some of our challenge with, with telling people about Jesus Christ or just talking about our faith is that, if we're honest, we can't really say a whole lot. We get so busy in our day-to-day surviving, our day-to-day routines, our day-to-day planning, our day-to-day everything that we just forget about and miss out on God. And so when somebody comes into our life and they say, hey, I hear you go to the Baptist church. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, what about it? Well, well, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Great game last night, eh? Right? Because somehow we think that we've got to there has to be something dramatic to share. Rather than that, the reality that God's promises are being enacted and true in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And we say, you know what? You should have seen me last week. I was really cheesed. And I was really tempted to just sort of give a person of a piece of my mind that I could ill afford to lose. (laughs) And God gave me the grace to just take hold of my tongue. Because the letter of James says we need to control our tongue. And he did it. I couldn't do it. You know, I've... I'm I'm really in a in a pickle. Got this doctor's report that just came in this week. Things don't look good. I don't know what I'm going to do. Pretty fearful. Talking about going down to Victoria. Talking about chemo. Outcomes not so great. You know what I've got peace in this whole thing and I've talked to some people today who and I've talked to some people rather this week who who are in that situation I've got peace today because God is with me those are the stories that we can share we've got something to share I'm going to invite Graham and and Gary on up here And they're going to share more stories. Gary and Tammy are with MAF in Angola. And we had a picnic yesterday. And uh, one of the things... uh, You going to go first again? All right. He's scared to go first. They called permanent shotgun. Yeah, I guess. So he's a (laughs) permanent (laughs) shotgun on going first. So... Gary and Tammy are, are in, with MAF in Angola, and, and uh, Tammy was mentioning yesterday at our picnic that Angola used to be the breadbasket of Africa, and no longer is that because of the civil strife that they've experienced over the years, and they're trying to rebuild the country now, and MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, is crucial in this endeavor as they are flying people and resources to areas that they are starting to restart hospitals and restart mission outreaches and and uh, Gary's involved as a pilot, and Tammy's involved in keeping him grounded. And, um, and uh, she also does... You like that humor, did you? I like that? <laughs> right on over by... Anyway, Tammy's, 
And Tammy does ESL, and she does literacy work with people there, and, and they're just doing a fantastic work of supporting people, and they're going to share a little bit. Graham, Graham was an intern here, and, and, and the call of God came on his life, and he's been involved in Botswana for a while, and he's with SIM, and, and God has given him a real keen interest with computers and technology, and he's been involved with supporting the um, flying mission there and helping them get all their technical stuff in place so that they could help people and they could fly resources in and do all kinds of stuff like that. And he's been called recently, after some training this past year, he's been called down to the States to help in the headquarters down there to help with their technology and do some more training. And, and God is leading him in this whole area of technical support, and it's exciting to hear that. And uh, both of them couldn't, you know, I mean... It, the stories they were sharing last night and the stories we've heard in the past, they're, they're not church planters, right? And they're supporting church planters and they're supporting others who are missionaries and translators and all these things. And they're, they're working in support roles. But God is still, you know, incredibly seen through their lives and through their testimony. Now, Graham has, has a really cool story that I'm not even going to try to share, so he's going to. Go ahead. Okay, I think this is on, yeah. It says here, please speak in the microphone, so I'll do that. Um, <laughs> I thought it was funny. But uh, <laughs> maybe it was, I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, Pastor Gerald was uh, sharing with me, well, emails and just telling me what he was planning to do for a sermon and was just kind of asking us, do we have some stories? Um, now, I know you said, like, you know, you don't have to have a dramatic story, and I don't know if this became a dramatic story because it seemed just kind of simple and easy and basic, uh, at first, and now maybe it's a bigger deal. But uh, when I was in Botswana, I had the unfortunate uh, uh, situation of having thieves come and break my door and, and steal my things. It actually happened twice. But, uh, and then they stole my underwear out back and socks and clothespins. But uh, anyway, they broke into my house and took my things. And it was a, I would say that was a weak moment for me because when they came in and take your thing, I don't know if you've had stuff stolen before, but you get angry and mad and, God, why didn't you protect me? I'm a missionary and yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you wrestle with it. And so as I'm wrestling in that weakness, and uh, there was other people that had had their houses broken into the same night. And uh, my neighbor is beside me and then uh, across the street. And uh, the thing is, in that weakness... Uh, God gave me opportunities to kind of have chances to have conversations with my neighbors where, you know, sometimes, you know how it is where your your neighbor, hi, okay, I don't know what else to say, you know, kind of thing and, and stuff like that. So you don't really have meaningful conversations that you'd like to have. But because this happened, I was able to have conversations because it was like, are you okay? And what happened? And tell me about it. And I was talking with my friend Jojo across the street and Jojo um, as we were talking, you know, he started, we, we, we talked and it was like, oh, you're a Christian and you go to church and everything. And he, at that time, you don't know what's happening with people. I think that's part of it is the spirit can be working. There could be, you know, nice soil out there, you know, and just right across the street. And Jojo really needs someone to pray, needed someone to pray with him. And what had happened is his, uh, his sister-in-law was having these kind of demonic episodes where she would have nightmares and she'd scream and she felt like she was being oppressed by Satan and, and demons and these kind of things. And he was really concerned for her, and he wanted me to pray for him. And when I told him I was a missionary, oh, you're a pastor, so this will be powerful stuff. Now you're, oh, no, I, I hope I pray good, you know. 
but uh, you know, just just the fact that I was willing to do that. I think you said something in the last uh, sermon about Woody Allen saying eighty percent of success or success is eighty percent being showing up, and uh, just being able to show up and pray with him that was good. Now that's kind of a he he attended church as well, so that was kind of a brotherly thing. But then uh, next door, my friend Eddie, um, he had ha- he's had issues in the past where he had gotten divorced and uh, he was living with a woman that wasn't his wife and all these kind of things. And um, as I talked to him and shared with him about the church I attended, um, you know, he said, yeah, you know, I just really liked the church community and, and I feel kind of out of place. But, but you know, I, I'm divorced and I've done these terrible things and God wouldn't forgive me for that. And um, I just had the chance to kind of share with him, you know, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not something that you have to come to God all squeaky clean, that he's the one that kind of cleans you. And so you can have that evangelism moment in one verse, you know, and share it with him. And I, I just encouraged him. I think God's calling you back to his church, and I think you should go. And that was pretty much all he needed, and he started going to church again. And, um, you know, some of these things you don't know that the whole answer, like, I don't, maybe he's a pastor somewhere, somewhere, but that would be the cool dramatic story. <laughs> but uh, just the fact that you're, you're there, you're available, and it doesn't have to, you know, I, I, last uh, uh, service I was saying, you know, the four spiritual laws, I think you mentioned them. Um, I don't think that's always the answer, that we need some kind of four-step program. As good as those tools are, and the, 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 I believe they can be a tool, I really think that the Holy Spirit is the key to it, that you need to just be, be feel led by the Spirit, you know. You're going to be, I'm sure Peter, when he stood up at times in front of, you know, these people and stuff, he didn't know what was going to come out. And uh, as scary as that is and as vulnerable as you feel, I, I would just encourage you to just take that step because sometimes that's the only thing that's, you know, that fear is the only thing that's, that's preventing this person from taking the next step towards Christ, so... I think that's all I have to Great. say. Speak into the microphone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just like last service, I feel between what Gerald said and what you've said, um, what they said, I don't know if I need to say anything else. But <laughs> um, I think as Gerald shared already, uh, we're in service missions. And what that causes me to think a lot of times is I'm not, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the missionary church planter kind of thing. So when it comes to sharing the gospel with other people, it scares the dickens out of me. And I don't have the, you know, C for coffee, Christ for button thing. And I'm finding as I get older and bigger, it's five and six buttons, <laughs> which just messes that all up. But um, what our our heartfelt desire really is to be used by God wherever and, and however. And, and how I've really seen that and what I do is in asking the Lord to be an instrument that can be used to glorify him. Um, lots of times I'm sitting in an airplane with somebody beside me, and they're sort of a sort of a captive audience. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, how am I, I going to share? How am I going to, you know, what's the segue into bringing up Christ? And typically I don't have to do anything. It's the guy sitting beside me or lady that goes, so... Why are you here doing what you're doing? Pretty wide open door to to go through. And that still doesn't mean that I have the greatest, best answer for all of the questions and stuff. But what really encourages me is that God is setting these things up. And he's just sort of going, you know, 
let me use you and and I'll use you and I'll glorify myself and you get to be a part of it so you know not all of us have an airplane that we get to sit in with somebody beside them but God will bring those instances to you if you just um, allow him to and it will be uh, be something pretty amazing and cool and that we can all be excited about and share with our friends to encourage them as well. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Graham. And they've got displays just out in the foyer. And so after the service, if you want to hear more of what they're doing or hear more of their testimonies, uh, take them out for coffee. Take them out for lunch. Uh, talk to them. They've got great stories of how God is using and working in their lives. And, and I'm shamelessly plugging them. So, so uh, uh, we as a church are supporting them. Figure out if you want to join their prayer team. Figure out if you want to join their financial team. And, and join in their ministry of helping them and encouraging them and being encouraged with how they are sharing the gospel with people who have not yet heard. It's just very exciting stuff. You know, and, and as, as Christ was there at the well, as he was waiting for this woman, he was anticipating some changes. He was anticipating some change results. And this is really the third step. We invite people to consider something and someone because we know that change is just around the corner. We're drawing people simply to go one step closer to Jesus Christ. And as they get closer and closer to Jesus Christ, change will happen in their life. Why? Because it's changed our life. The person that we know as our Lord and Savior has come in such a dramatic way that we can physically point to instances in our life where we've seen His action and we've seen His care. There may be times when we have felt incredibly anxious. And we've taken that promise, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God and the peace of God which is beyond understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we've prayed that prayer. And we said, Lord, here I am in my moment of anxiety. Here I am in my moment of fear. Here I am in my moment of of incredible helplessness. Now help me. And the peace of God transcends who we are. We take that scripture about renewing the mind. And we say, Lord, my mind is filled with, with memories of past failures. My mind becomes cluttered and polluted with, with, with sins of my youth. And I give this to you, and your word says, renew the mind. So please, renew my mind. And we're able to talk about the power and presence of Jesus changing us. Taking our priorities and and setting them aside so that our focus becomes who He is. We become so easily distracted as we try to fill up the hollowness and emptiness of our lives with being busy or or being popular or or having a gazillion friends on Facebook or, or whatever it is, spending our way through the mall doing all these things in order that we may not have to hear those lonely cries where we feel abandoned and needing to come and say, only you, Christ, can help. And I surrender all. 
I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. And yet do we do that? We anticipate changed results. And fourthly, we give the credit to God. The woman invited the people to come and see who, who Jesus was. Come and see. And their response back to her was, it's not only your testimony, but now it is ours as well. In verse 42. This now is something that we have latched onto because it is real. All because of Jesus. Invitational evangelism is nothing more than allowing the person whom we love to be seen in our conversations with others. Simply inviting people to come and check it out. Check out what is real to us. Check out what is personal and, and life-giving. Just, just check it out. It's not the event that is going to attract people. It's not Bethlehem Walk that's going to attract people. It's the presence of Christ and how, they, how, how people can embrace that. When, when Jesus says, you know, I come that you might have life. And how we have responded back and said, I've, I took that promise and it's true. And I asked Jesus into my life. And I asked him to come. And I asked him to change me. And I asked him to take the things that, that I sort of grab onto as trying to find my own sense of identity and my own sense of value and purpose. And I've asked him to take these away and to fill me with himself and, and forgive me of all this stuff and say, Lord, I just want to be yours. So please forgive me. And he does. And he has. And he's made me a new person. And I used to be incredibly filled with anger and rage and now God is slowly chipping away at that boulder of, of seething hate and replacing it with his love and contentment and joy. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. We simply tell the story of the transforming power of Jesus in our life and ask people to consider it. 